0: Before before we start, have you seen The Mandalorian yet?
1: No, no, no. I've got a couple of episodes backed up, so don't spoil them. There's
0: one point which I'm staring at the screen and I'm like,
1: I can't believe this is happening. I can't
0: believe this is this good. It was unbelievable. Anyway, that's all. Just like listening to you. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start this damn thing. (laughs) Hello, and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ringer FC. I'm Misal Konga.
1: I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Festive. How are you doing?
0: Actually, very festive indeed. Very festive indeed? Yeah, indeed. Yep. Yeah. Taking a sip of an unknown liquid. That sounds ropey. <laughs> well, it is what it <laughs> is, Ryan. Rope. Listen. I know it's Berlin, but all the clubs are shut, man. I've got to protect my privacy. I don't want to disclose what I'm consuming, but I'm,
1: yes. Hey, first of all, if you're celebrating Christmas, happy Christmas. We hope you had a good one. If you don't celebrate the holiday, we hope you're having some nice downtime, time, yep, family yep. time, if possible. We understand that obviously this year is weird for Christmas. We stayed in Berlin. Yep, yep. Christmas together this year. It's a little stadio Christmas. Oh my goodness. With our good friend Jennifer.
0: was bringing something. I'll bring my white beard. Santa <laughs> energy.
1: Negative vibes. Yeah, someone's got to do it. I'm going to bring my uh, big Grogo energy. Yeah, yeah. Just going to end the day throwing up all over myself. Goodness. <laughs> With my hands in the air. Woo! <laughs> oh, darting between hands in the air and throwing up on myself. It's basically, yeah, it's basically like, a big Mandalorian Christmas. Merry Mandalorian Christmas.
0: Basically, first year uni student, isn't it?
1: Oh, wow. Well, well, it's basically a last year uni student. <laughs> <laughs> we hope everyone's doing all right. We hope everyone's enjoying this time of year at the end of what a, what a horrible, horrible year for many, many reasons. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget, this will not be our last podcast of the year. New Year's Eve. That's right. The big finale. The Stadios. 2020 can get in the bin, and what better way to see it off than a completely, highly unnecessary awards ceremony? Book standard. <laughs> <laughs> the lowest of the lowest bars of award ceremonies. The Stadios, 31st of December. <laughs> And categories, we'll be dishing out our end of year awards. Some quick admin. Don't forget to check the com forward slash soccer. There's some pieces going up that we've done. Moose did a great piece last week on Lucien Favre. Or would it have been the week before? Oh,
0: thank you. Week before. week before, I think so, yeah.
1: The usual, if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please give us a rate and review
0: because it really helps grow the podcast.
1: Yes. <laughs> we'll probably reiterate this on the studios, but I'd like to go a little bit serious for a second. Is that all right? go for it go for it now we have a tendency to sometimes get a little bit emotional on this podcast Musa we do but we wanted to just say a huge huge thank you to everyone who has listened to us sent us emails told friends or people they really hate about us this (laughs) year honestly I don't think we have enough words to show our gratitude and appreciation for it. And we know that this year has been dreadful for so many people, pretty much everyone. Obviously, some people a lot worse than others. And oh, God, this sounds so like gooey. But the fact that just us two talking absolute nonsense can help is amazing. And um, at the beginning of the year, I don't think I would have expected us to be still doing this at the end of the year, to be honest.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, we'd, um, we'd have been doing. We've been howling into the void. I think, but still, I think we still would have been doing
1: it. Maybe I don't know. I you just never, don't know. You never, you never know. There's a yeah, wife yeah. for you. you don't know. Yeah, the yeah. ringer? Didn't come calling.
2: Oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> <laughs> all of your lives would be infinitely better. Oh my goodness! If, <laughs> if the ringer doesn't come calling, they find a vaccine in May. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> there you go. It's all our fault. Also, if you listen to this podcast, don't worry about what's in the vaccine. am i right or am i right you're right voosa feels seen but he knows i feel feel very i feel very seen yeah um but uh, yeah honestly people who listened to us before the ringer people who found us via the ringer and also you know the the ringer themselves yeah yeah much appreciated they've been really great with us and have allowed us to keep doing this i don't know i just wanted to say thanks
0: no that's all very that's all great and i I second that and i just think when people talk about it helping i think i forget how things like you know because podcast effectively is kind of recorded radio isn't it pre-recorded radio in Mm. a sense and i forget how much radio used to mean to me back in the day Mm. and so it's always you know it, it is a surprise when you get emails of appreciation not in a negative way it's always lovely it's always like you fail to he failed to grasp it. And I think in a way it's kind of nice to fail to grasp it because then you kind of just, you're just doing your thing and hoping it reaches people and it's doing that. And we'll just keep doing it as long as we can, I guess.
1: As long as we can keep getting away with it. (laughs) We shall do it. Was it like Shay Serrano used to do? He was just like, he used to do updates every, every few weeks just being like X amount of weeks at the rigor and I've still not been fired with like a celebratory gift.
0: I oh, know the, the one the one thing I have the one issue I have with Shay Serrano, is he always tweets prime writing hours when I'm not writing. <laughs> I've never once. Yeah, but it's a time difference. I know, but still, but still, it's like I don't know. Have I ever written at prime writing hours? I don't think I have.
1: Yeah, but you, to be <laughs> honest, I think you and Shay Serrano are on the same clock, but just in different time zones, because We're like bats, you're always randomly up. You're, you sleep, but did you ever read that thing? This is going off on a tangent. We are doing a what if episode, by the way, today. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Everyone's just listening, being like, is this going anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> like every podcast, 10 minutes of admin, really? <laughs> <laughs> God, get a filing cabinet. Right, they know um, what they came here for yeah exactly. you knew what this hey listen you knew this by was. now by now right what, what like 120 episodes in or something you knew what this was everyone this our friend you knew, Jennifer says. you know what you this knew, is you knew what this you was you know what this is listen you signed <laughs> up for it you subscribed you know subscribe su- you know subscribing means you're complicit yeah don't okay? roll your
0: eyes at us this is the content you came here for yeah listen
1: rolling, rolling eyes is my job at Moosa all right when he says three straight Champions Leagues which he will probably say <laughs> at some point <laughs> so, let me be the uh, I was gonna say the eye roller, but I could say rye roller. The rye Sounds roller. Good. You get all the best things. Anyway, we don't know what if episode is the final one of the year. Uh, we shall get on with it after this.
3: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
1: So what better time to start during a holiday season than with some communism? (laughs) Amazing. Let's do it, let's do it. From Yasmina Banashuk, shouts to Yasmina. Mina says, what if every club had to have the same budget that they could spend? So basically, football communism. Who would be the best club? So let's, d- should we develop a little imaginary structure? So this would be what? Wage cap?
0: Yeah, wage cap and transfer cap.
1: I don't think it should be a percentage of turnover either. I think it should just be a flat.
2: I think it should be. Oh, that's interesting.
0: I don't know. I think it should be a percentage of because turn- that's sustainable. I think if it's a percentage of turnover, so no higher than 50% of turnover i think wages should be no higher than 50% of turnover how about that and the transfer should be capped at 100, 100 million per window
1: yeah but then you still kind it's of loads, you're still loads.
0: you're still million. kind of
1: upholding the
0: well no but in terms of like but if you think about it if it's a sustainability if you think about this wages as a percentage of turnover is a really important metric because that's where clubs start like going beyond themselves. So if you say, like, okay, cap wages at 50%
1: turnover. Yeah, but you're still protecting the larger clubs then because their turnover is bigger.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, good point. Okay, then. Okay, good point, good point. Uh, me and my elementary math. And you're
1: reducing, you're reducing. I mean, this is kind of, is it com- It's kind of like free market communism in a way, isn't it? Because you're kind of, if you take away FFP and remove the percentage of turnover of, of the, or the percentage in relation to turnover or profit or whatever then you open it up to outside sources. For example, a big, for example, like a big benefactor could come in and spend the same amount on wages and transfers one season for Burnley. Yeah. As say Manchester City, then the coaching comes into it. Well, this the thing. The organisation.
0: Yes, the coaching comes into it. So this is the thing. So if everyone has, let's say, a fixed amount and let's say a nominal, let's say for the argument's sake, the amount everyone can spend in the in window, in one summer window is and let's maybe take away the transfer window. Maybe take away the window and allow people to sort of buy and sell all year round. I don't know. Or have different periods of, of windows people coming in out some keep them more fluid, for example. But let's say that everyone can spend, let's say, a maximum of I don't know, sixty million. Mm-hmm. For example, for argument's sake. And let's just say let's say that everyone in the Premier League has sixty million to spend. Who wins? And this to me comes down to still, it's it's effectively who's the best coach in the Premier League, really.
2: It effectively comes down to that. And here's a bit of a hot take.
0: I still think it's Klopp that wins the Premier League. But I think that uh, four or five of those clubs below him, I think what's interesting about this question, what's great about this question, by the way, uh, sorry, while Mina's here on your question, Mina's an amazing writer, by the way,
1: Oh, um, she's going to hate that. She's going yeah, to
0: hate Yeah, but she's, a, she's an amazing. She's an amazing poet. She is. Yasmina Banachuk, amazing poet. Check out her new collection. So, so good.
1: Big Cologne fan as well.
0: Yes, big Cologne fan. Klopp still wins, I think, in that situation. But then this is a question about who the best coaches is on the Premier League, isn't it, really, over the course of a season? So who are we saying below Klopp? Let's say, who, who are the five below Klopp, for example? Pep. I still think Pep is... Over the course of a season, though, this is the thing. No, I don't think he is,
1: actually. No, it it really help Bielsa?
0: Yes, because, I, yes, I think Bielsa comes higher. I don't think, I think because Pep, unfortunately, has, he has spaces that he leaves untended. Like, Pep's, base, Pep's genius is taking very, very good players and elevating them to a level that they themselves didn't think possible.
1: I'm not so sure. Right. Do you know what? Actually, I think that this goes a little bit wider than that. I think it's actually quite hard to gauge who would still win the Premier League because you're not dealing with the set of circumstances that any coach has been given before, apart from a few just in certain scenarios. But what I think this does on a wider scale is if there's an absolute cap and it's Mm. a low cap of transfer fees and it's a low cap of wages or lower, I think, for example, you could move a little bit towards... A NBA-style model of contract setup. Mm. So you could tier contracts. For example, if a player comes through at a club, yeah, and they develop through the through the youth system, I haven't really thought in detail about the actual stipulations involved. But say, for example, if Burnley, using them as an example, have a player come through their youth system, they have to sign a a rookie contract for three years. Okay. For example, yeah, Yeah. which will take them from eighteen to twenty-one. Let's say that. If they stay at Burnley, they will be able to... Look at Yanis at Milwaukee, for example. Yanis yep. is, is, has just signed what will be the biggest contract in NBA history because he was drafted by Milwaukee. He stayed there for the long term and basically rewarding loyalty financially. So if a player stays at a club from development through to, say, 26, 27, when they could sign a max deal, yeah, and if they stay at the club that they've been at, That club is allowed a certain amount of money extra to pay them.
0: I love that, actually. Yeah, I really like I like that system. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I think that it removes a couple of things. You might you will still find clubs that circumvent the rules a little bit. However, what I think this does is it kind of would go some way to bring in the overall financial inequality a little bit in line. And I think that you would start to get cycles a little bit more. I've said this a million times on this podcast, I think, maybe not quite a million, but can you imagine how many times you'd have to say something per podcast? Oh my God. Say it a million times in like a hundred odd episodes.
0: To be honest, I've probably been guilty of that, Ryan.
1: Anyway, so. Three straight, anyway, Champions, carry on, Leagues. Three on. straight Champions Leagues. Yeah. Actually, three straight Champions Leagues. That's what happens with football communism. <laughs> 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 but for, no, for exa- so for example, like as a football fan, I would be really interested in cyclical natures like personally and I don't know whether I'm alone here but I think it I think it would filter into football culture as a whole and I actually think it would have quite a calming influence on football culture in terms of football fandom in the sense that for example say for example if, if um, Arsenal were in the position they were in now right in this imaginary system that we set up but you knew that the reason they were there was because they have got a young core who are developing and they can stay together. And if they all stay together, they'll be able to pay them more money. And then actually it's going, they're going to be amazing in like four or five years. Right. So we've kind of got to suck it up a little bit. Yep. Yep. The overall kind of atmosphere, I think is far more accepting of anything other than absolute success.
0: And people are quite accepting already of a work in progress. If you look at yeah. like how post, Ferguson. People are always about okay transition. Transition. You hear the word transition a lot. Yeah. People are actually quite understanding as long as they know there's an ultimate destination. Think Mm. that makes sense. So I think I think you're onto something
1: actually. And I think then it would also you you would see probably more success at clubs who are really really good at developing core. Like you'd probably and and signing smart. So for example, more Gladbacks,
0: more Gladbacks,
1: more Gladbacks, more Dortmunds. You would actually probably see a hell of a lot more titles for Dortmund in the last decade the because Dortmund have well, done really well you know, I mean they signed Holland for what 20 million euros goodness that's wild <laughs> that's an unbelievable yeah, that's yeah if you think about it it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's, it's completely yeah. incredible but also then I think you would bring overall transfer fees down the amount of money that would be flowing around football club to club agent to agent I think would decrease Yeah, and I think you would probably and maybe this is yeah, people who know in this podcast you know I always come across a little bit naive and optimistic and and with things like this, but you would like to think that the game as a whole would be a little less gross.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that's right. And I think that, to be honest, Ryan, I think that, um, maybe it's, it's idealistic, but I think that's, we need, listen, part of. So what if, but you need ideas. What if, if it's not idealistic? But also, but also frankly, we talk so much and we criticize football so much, but it's good to have these visions of how it might look. It's good to get people excited about an alternative reality. And you know, imagine, yeah, you're right. The cycles of, I mean, look at the NBA, right? The NBA has had its dynasties, you know, let's not, let's not be rosy eyed about it. It has had teams that dominate for certain periods. But if you look at the NBA right now, as it is right now, it's as exciting as I can remember. This is the most exciting NBA going into a new season that I've seen in years. Mm.
1: Because Man, the- Giannis staying at Milwaukee, it was massive.
0: It's incredible. And it's just, you look across the league, there are, put it this way, if any one of eight teams win, win the NBA at the end of this year, I won't be hugely surprised. Any one of eight teams could win. Like, obviously the Lakers are astonishing in terms of that, but... Pacers. Oh, so you can do subliminals. Do you know what... <laughs> Welcome to Indiana ASMR. ASMR podcast. <laughs>
1: ready? I'm gonna do- I'm gonna- I, may- I might launch a- an NBA ASMR podcast. Victor. You should do... Hey, ready? Victor.
3: Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> this is a
1: good one. This is a good one. You really. Demontes Sabonis. <laughs> right, <laughs> they're turning this into kink.
0: This. <laughs> I think
1: it's a really good idea. What my uh, MBA ASMR? I mean Focus. that. Yeah, that too.
0: That too. That too. Yeah. Um, I mean the two run together. You know what you should do just record one. No, I'm not. I've
1: got enough to do. Come on, just <laughs> so where well, I want to know where the three straight Champions Leagues come from. Come on, <laughs> actually, you probably would get quite a lot of three straight Champions Leagues. That's the funny thing about this because you would get like really quick cycles of clubs at the very top. So, for example, yeah, if 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 say for example, look at Ajax. Yeah, um, we did have a suggestion, uh, I cannot find it for the life of me. Apologies to whoever sent it in but it was basically what if that Ajax squad had stayed together from a couple of years ago now Ajax are actually a really good example with regards to this what if because operating on a really small budget relatively to other clubs that went that deep in Europe but can you imagine if Real Madrid Spurs well actually Spurs that season really didn't spend anything but you know what I mean Liverpool all of these clubs Barcelona had been operating on the same budget that Ajax had there's less incentive to leave because A, there are less spaces. B, the level is a little bit more spread. It's like we said before, the one thing we would love to see happen in football is an Mbappe to sign for Napoli or something like that isn't such a wild thing anymore. That's where we would like football to get to where the possible destinations for elite players isn't funneled towards five or six clubs around Europe. Everyone now expects that someone will end up at Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG, Liverpool, maybe Juve, maybe Bayern. There aren't even that many in the Premier League, I don't think, that people are destined to sign to. You could put Manchester Manchester City in there because of the financial aspect, but this would be removed from this. So you would get like clubs like Ajax, Benfica, clubs with a massive history who haven't been able to keep up on a financial level to new money. They would still be there. You know, Lyon, maybe even somewhere like Marseille, Montpellier even, potentially. You could have like you know, play like Valderrama, Going like, everyone remembers Valderrama at Montpellier.
0: Francescoli at Marseille. Yeah. This is the th- yeah. Th- you know, this is so exciting about this as well. Like, if the thing, I, I said this on the, um, shout out to Chris Ryan for getting one of his podcast, the MB- uh, Ringer NBA. When you look at the map of America, right, there are all these incredible cities you can go and play basketball in. And knowing that you're going to play at a contender, right, is so thrilling. Like, and now, especially, like I was saying, What an exciting time to enter the draft as an NBA player, like as a a college player going to draft right now, Ryan, you look at the map and go within three years, it's completely plausible. I could have a championship at any one of like these franchises, right? Mm. And the point you're making is really exciting because there are so many cities across Europe. It's so exciting to live in. In terms of the lifestyle, in terms of the family, because, you know, footballers are also like, you know, they're humans to build a life, to send your kids there, to like live by the sea or to live in the mountains or like all these exciting places. But a lot of those places you're going to you'll be like, I'll go there, but it's really going to be a lifestyle thing because there won't be trophies. The knowledge that, is, you know, and let's use a specific example, kept by the Ajax. I'm really hyped at the Ajax example, right? Because Ajax, the only thing they were missing, you could argue in that team, who were going to really nitpick, the only thing they were missing was a truly devastating, a devastating finisher. Yep. A truly devastating finisher. Now, if Ajax basically, and here's the thing, this is a hot take for it, for you if Ajax basically keep that squad together, that astonishing squad that gets the semis, every agent worth their salts is throwing their players at Ajax, right? And Ajax then have the pick of the elite centre forwards. And I think they end up, with the quality they're coaching, they end up with another player. They end up with a kind of young Ronaldo again. I think Ajax end yeah, up with, yeah. to your point, I think, I think you're right. I think Ajax attracts because they know that that person, that footballer knows they will get pride of place in that attack. Mm. So I think your examples are really good. one. And I'm always, I think, to be honest with you, if I'm honest with you, Ryan, like, joking aside, I think that's three trade champions leagues.
1: Yeah, I agree. For Ajax. Yeah, for Ajax, yeah. But, but I think you would also get, you wouldn't, you would never get a trade system in, in football, no. but you, you, would I think this kind of system would encourage more swap deals. Yeah. Let's take... Manchester United as an example. Okay. Okay. As a Manchester United fan, what do you really think that they need more than anything currently? Defensive midfielder. What? A defensive midfielder. Or a centre-back. Defensive midfielder, I would say. most. Say for example, which defensive midfielder on the market, or not even on the market, which defensive midfielder around Europe with a restrictive budget do you think Manchester United could attract? Dennis Sicario. So, say for example, Manchester United only have 25 million left in their budget right. to get Dennis Sicario. Yeah. Who do they offer in return? For Gladbach? Scott McTominay. Actually, Scott McTominay, Gladbach isn't the worst thing in the world, I don't think. It's not. I think, weirdly enough, they might offer... Actually, Scott Metominay, sorry to cut in, but I actually think Scott McTominay would suit the Bundesliga quite well.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh I mean, mm. well, actually, so, to be honest, let's be brutally honest, any one of those players would suit playing under Marco Rosa. If we're really getting, if, I mean, if we're really doing that, if we're really going there, But I think, yeah, in terms of swaps, I think even, I think Fred would do it. I think Fred, Fred would go to the Bundesliga, Mm -hmm. Fred and 25 million for Zakaria. And I think that Fred would be so good within six months at Gladbach because actually he'd be perfect because Gladbach have integrated Brazilian players for a long time. They don't have a problem with the cultural fit. They've done, they're they're good with that. They're international. They'd have Fred playing the game he wants to play. Um, Lots Mm -hmm. of mobility shuttling around, lots of fluidity, which suits him. And people taking no, If you look at Zakaria at Gladback, the way that Gladback work is that Zakaria doesn't actually take all the responsibility. They're very fluid. He's allowed to drop in and out. So you've seen that when he's come back from uh, injury, that he's struggled because he's been isolated a lot, two against one. And when Gladback are functioning at their best, he has a bit of cover. So I think Fred would actually be really good at Gladback. And mm. it would be, the, you know what it would be? He'd go off the radar and be the perfect restart for him. Mm. Come to Gladback, everyone. That's, yeah. that's going to be... But you know what? By the end of the season, I reckon that'll be my club in Germany. That'll be my men's club in Germany, I think. Yeah, I think I'm moving that direction.
1: Yeah. Shouts to Marco van Pampus. They had the Ajax-related one. But we can touch on this quickly, who the best club would be. I think it would really suit clubs that have a history of developing talent really well and selling it on and maintaining. So actually, I think, for example, in the Premier League, currently, Southampton would be really...
0: Oh my goodness, really they'd be scary. They, Southampton'd be really scary. It
1: would be hard to gauge accurately at the moment because obviously squads in the Premier League are made um, Premier League are made up of some, you know, like the amount of money Liverpool spent. They've sold really well. I'm talking about the squads that players, the squads that clubs have in the Premier League. How much they've actually cost before selling? Yeah, like I say, you'd get more cyclical. I think Dortmund would be really good in the Bundesliga. I mean, Bayern. Although they've spent big over the last couple of years, before that, they weren't huge, huge spenders. They're developing really
0: well right now as well.
1: Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how it would affect clubs like Leipzig because Leipzig obviously have the network, so they aren't massive spenders themselves.
0: With clubs being restricted that way, they'd have to put more into the academy system, right? Because you get more benefit lower down the investment chain. So if you put more money into academies and actually getting some of those players out and playing, because this is the thing, the impacts, the knock on effects would be really good for mental health and stuff too, because the amount of players that get discarded mm. by academy systems and just end up out of football. Whereas yeah. this way, do you know, what it, would do? it might actually galvanize the lower leagues to a huge extent, like the non league as well, because you'd have a lot more players in fluid situations. So you'd have like, there'd be, there'd be a, a requirement to look for talent elsewhere, a requirement mm. to seek value. And how many stories do you hear about? I mean, there's a great piece by Daniel Taylor on Marcus Rashford's rise and about how easy it's to slip down the leagues with the the loss of confidence because people, you know, to be honest, like a lot of clubs don't do, they don't really look after ex-academy players because what's Mm -hmm. the incentive to
1: do that? I think it would just make football way more interesting because you'd have probably quite a big gap between the best player and the worst player in each squad. You'd have like role players. Yeah. Things like that. I think it it would just be a really interesting development for me. The the one thing I have to acknowledge, A, it would never work because the big clubs just wouldn't want it. Yeah. But also, to draw a bit of a parallel, it was something that they didn't really think would ever happen in F1 and it's coming in in a couple of years. So... Super interesting. It would have to be something that FIFA would put into action or you could do it confederation by confederation.
0: The thing that Yasmina's question would really address, if you had a cap right, across the board... I reckon certain clubs would end up becoming special producing certain types of player because for like resale value or whatever, they'd be like, so I reckon there'll be clubs, and this is that's the Dortmund thing, that would become really strong at producing, let's say, goalkeepers, right? And there'd be a tradition of like, you know, like you have like engineers from a certain region of the country. Mm. I reckon certain clubs would be like, oh, you want a Senate mid go there? You want a goalkeeper go there? And Dortmund would be a beneficiary because the one thing they lack, actually have lacked for years is a, world-class goalkeeper. Like they get, they get a kind of, they haven't really had, if you know, they've had, they've had very, very good goalkeepers, but when is the last time they had a top three in the world goalkeeper?
1: I mean, yeah, but you could say that about so many clubs. Yeah, but it's Dortmund, it's it's like, Dortmund though. No, but, but it's Dortmund, like and they're, yeah. they're a huge club, right? And that, yeah. But like you could say when was the last time Arsenal had a top three?
0: But I think it's a fair question. And the reason I'm making this point is not to attack clubs for not recruiting well. It's more like, I think it would really place a premium on what was done at the training ground and the academy all the way up. But I think you just get, you know, if you gave someone like Pep or Ralph Rangnick control of a club, I think it would be really, really exciting. And weirdly, like you look at like, you know, you know, like, like Atalanta for example, see Atalanta in a champion's league within five years, with a system like that, I think. Oh my God, we're still on, we're still on Mina's question. Sorry. Yeah, we are. Yeah. But it's that, we are. You know why? Because, because the question was that good. And because Mina, yeah. is that good. Thanks, Mina. Thanks, Mina. You're awesome. You're an amazing writer. Check out Yasmina Benetriks' writing. This episode is brought to you by State
2: Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there.
1: Let's do this one from Daniel Galanti. Daniel is a lifelong Milan fan from Toronto. His what if is. Without the interruption of COVID-19 pushing the Euros back to 2021, if the tournament had taken place in 2020, how do you think the tournament would have gone? Players of the tournament, tournament winner, and catfish team of the tournament.
0: Oh, okay. Do You know, I think win this. I think Portugal. I think that João Felix's ascent coincides perfectly with Ronaldo's. I think they complement each other perfectly because watching Portugal in that Euros when Ronaldo was basically kind of playing, um, you know, obviously,
1: Euro ball.
0: Yeah, but but had to because he was within himself. The one they kind of slightly lacked was the link. And Joao Felix and the new Portugal. Actually, what Portugal Interesting. They've, they've managed that transition really, really well from the Ronaldo era to the Felix era.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're in it yet, though. They haven't managed it yet. They're still in, in transit.
0: But I think, I think the Euros, they would have gone under the radar because who are the frontrunners, right? The front runners for a tournament, it's not always that they win. Like, you'd have Holland would be the kind of, the ones that everyone's going at their neck. Because Holland basically like had shown out big. Everyone was like, okay, we're going to come at Holland. And Portugal were like bubbling as a kind of third favourite. I think France stumble at um, the quarters. I would, I, my money would still, I, I would have thought Portugal would take that actually.
1: I'm not so sure because I think that a lot of, Jao Felix has really gone interstellar this season.
0: He was already peaking in the uh, Champions League. If COVID hadn't stopped, here's this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm, this is what I'm projecting. Yeah. Oh, to explain my reasoning. Yeah.
1: My, no, no, yeah. no, I get your reasoning. I, I totally. But I'm just. I. I think it's. I actually think it's going to benefit Portugal more. It being pushed back.
0: I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: I I struggle to look past France and Belgium as two big ones. I think this year just comes a year too soon for Portugal. It, like I said before, being pushed back a year, I think it moves them into genuine contention more so than it would have done in the summer. I think they would have gone deep, potentially semi-final, depending on the way the draw played out. I haven't got it to hand, but I don't think they would have won it if it had taken place this summer.
0: Yeah, so I was thinking his breakout. I think he was going to, I was thinking Champions League, Atleti beat Liverpool, and then basically, I think that was maybe Atleti's year because they developed, they managed to play all styles. I think Letty could have done it last year. And I think that Gerard Felix would have kicked on in the summer. Having said Mm -hmm. that, having said that, I keep looking at Belgium through the prism of Eden Hazard's injury. But of course, that didn't happen. Like that, the off season that he had, all of that injury didn't happen. Like he wouldn't have turned up. But Hazard would still have been in shape because COVID affected a lot of things for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, but he did struggle at Real before COVID with injury. So I'm actually, yeah, I think Belgium, Belgium, could, Belgium. Belgium could have been a shot for catfish actually.
0: Yeah, Belgium would have struggled. Sorry, I was, you know, I, I wasn't sure about Hazard's injury. So yeah, Hazard, I think if Hazard's fit, I would say Belgium, but he wasn't. And I, I still think that the problem that France have, although having said that, we, the thing about the Euros is, the Euros goes a lot more to form than the World Cup does. Mm. Generally speaking, if you look at like Euro 2000, everyone was looking at France, it'll be France. France did it. Spain Well, Greece was the one outlier, but you look at Spain, in 08 and 12. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, France won 2016 final, like they were, but people were like, if you back a favourite, the favourite tends to go really quite far in the Euros. Yeah,
1: France should have won it in 2016. Yeah, they should have. I mean, yeah. They really yeah. should have.
0: I yeah. mean, Hal Deschamps, frankly, very lucky to keep that job, I've got to say.
1: I know, right? And then he went and won a World Cup. I think France would have been, been a shout. Yeah, I think so. For this year. I think England would have also potentially been, Catfish contenders. I think
0: the midfield would have let them down. The slightly reactive midfield would have let them down, which is a shame because England wouldn't have used. This is the thing they, they wouldn't have used. Greeley. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you think Portugal would have won it? Yeah. I think probably France. Hmm.
2: Hell of a I final. think.
1: I think Italy would have been in with this shout of going quite deep. They could have. I think they could have been surprise, like a surprise package. Yeah, I think so. Actually. Got the firepower too, and the midfielders. Yep, players of the tournament. I think João Felix would have been up there. I think this would have been the one that he kind of came alive. However, I I do just think for Portugal as a whole because they do have a lot of really really good young talents coming through. I think next year will suit them. I think Mbappe would have been in a sh- in shout for. A, shout
0: out to Sandro Tonali, Italy. I think he would have been amazing. I think Sandro Tonali would have been a shout.
1: And I actually think, even though I th- I kind of think Germany would have underperformed, I think the form of Joshua Kimmich last season, I think he probably would have been up for player of the tournament as well. And Gnabry. Gnabry as well. Serge as, well, as well. Yeah, Serge was, Surge was brilliant. Yeah. Lights out. Yeah. I like that. Love that question. It's three straight Champions League's time, Musa. <laughs> but not in the way that you think it is. <laughs> because we got this one from Jack Hammett. Hey, in the nicest possible way, fuck your three straight Champions League. <laughs> Because Jack says, what if Gareth Bale doesn't go to Madrid? Do Real Madrid win La Decima? Do they win any of their four Champions Leagues whilst Bale is at the club? Do Spurs become the club they are today? What happens to Ronaldo? Oh my God. So, amazing! first of all, think of that summer, 2013. Real Madrid don't let Urzel go.
0: No, exactly. They don't. Bale stays at Spurs because they didn't do well with the money. Now, the thing about Bale is, no, okay, here's the thing. Okay, here's the here's the thing. Bale does leave. He does leave Spurs. Man United, exactly. Because yeah. Levy will flip. Listen about think about Daniel Levy. It's because
1: he wants. He really wants to play under boys. Can, can I
0: put some? Resp- I'm going to put some respect on Daniel Levy's name here because I've criticised him before for other things. But I do think he is club first. Like, you know, that documentary, one thing that comes across is like he wants to be seen better. I do think that. But I do think Daniel leave is club first. Mm. I do think he is. I think he absolutely loves Spurs. And I think he would have been like, Bale is an asset we have to trade, and he would have sold it. And here's the thing as well I think Bale would have gone to United, even with Moyes there, because we know that Tony Cruz was close to going there. Mm. And we know that Tiago was actually quite close. There were a lot of players that were going to go who played for yeah. Manchester United in the Moyes era. And the funny thing is, if, if, if Moyes had had those players, actually, you look at the job that Moyes is doing at West Ham, Moyes would have made something pretty good. If, and here's the thing, if Rooney had gone, because as, as, Ferguson basically was like, Rooney's legs have gone, wasn't quite the player he was, you know, not to be harsh to Rooney, but Rooney physically, had, he put so many miles on the clock, he'd worked so hard. And Ferguson was trying to get a bit more urgency into that attack. If Rooney had gone and Bale comes in and you have Cruz and Thiago, which were possible, you have a team that is a, a contender. And I'm not saying that they win because I think that I'm not sure that Moyes had the chops at that very, you know, that level, of, you know, the 15% we talk about. It would have been like an, more like an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer situation where you've got, you know, because don't forget that it's quite some funny parallels with Moyes that Moyes had a very good away record, weirdly enough, with United. Um, so a team like that, you know, Moyes, a team that had really good away record, was set up to do well on the counter. And of course, Bale thrived on the counter. Mm. You'd have United as a really interesting contender. They wouldn't win the league, but they would beat some good teams who would otherwise win the league.
1: I think Bale in that Man United team is just...
0: It transforms them, Ryan.
1: Because you think, who did they sign instead? They signed Wolf Saha. So you basically, that season, you have Gareth Bale instead of Wolf Saha.
0: Right. And you're playing him in a different position. you playing him. And that means if you have Rooney, it allows Rooney to sit a bit deeper. It allows Rooney to play as an actual... All
1: right, well, actually, let's back up a little bit here yeah. because let's say, because I want to expand this out a little mm. bit. Let's say, for example, there's a deal agreed in principle because Man United signed Zaha in January, don't they? And loan him back for the rest of the season. I wasn't sure exactly when they got him. He, but, yeah. but then Ferguson leaves and his first season at Manchester United, well, his only season at Manchester United is under Moyes. That's right. So let's say in theory that they don't sign Wolf Zaha because they know that Bale's coming. Right. So Zaha stays at Palace. Yeah. Say Manchester United pay a hundred million for Bale. I don't think it changes much for Spurs because they still get the money and Bale still leaves. Yes. It changes stuff for Zaha. Yes. He'd end up at Chelsea. Or Spurs. He wouldn't end up at Spurs because Spurs buy the players that they buy anyway.
0: If Zaha's available though. If, Zaha I mean, if Zaha's available, I think he goes
1: to Spurs. Yeah. And, and it's way, it's way cheaper. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. say for example, if, if Spurs sign Zaha, maybe they don't go for Ericsson. Levy's a smart dude,
0: right? And if he can get the value inside the Premier League, because he's about like, you know, Premier League talent that's proven. A player like Zaha on the market is such a good fit for Spurs culturally. You know, they have that tradition of like, you know, the wide forwards, wingers, they love that. I think he would have been a revelation at, at Spurs actually. I think he would have been incredible because he's basically the player that Chadley was meant to have been, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you still get, I mean, that way you get, can you imagine you get like one wide forward, Lamella, and the other wide forward, Zaha? That's dangerous, dude.
1: He only cost Manchester United 10 million. I mean, he cost probably Spurs a bit more because they'd know
0: they had, everyone's burning a hole in their pockets with 100 million.
1: I always, always forget that he was loaned to Cardiff in the January.
0: Unbelievable. I really feel like Bale, as a said, just signing for United. Here's the thing. Here's what happens. Because if Bale goes to United for hundred million, agents and clubs are going, they're spending money and they're making a statement. United did not have a statement signing. When Moyes arrived, what did they, who did they bring in? They brought in Marin Fellaini. And he became the lightning rod for I mean, so that's much resentment. It was. And he became a lightning rod for so much resentment. Whereas you come in with Bale, you're like here we go yeah united are not dead united are making a big statement united are coming at everyone they're going
1: for it Mm. i think it means that they don't get pogba though man united
0: but that's good for everyone actually looking back i think that's good for pogba actually
1: juan torres said what if pogba never left united the first time around i mean we can we can transition into that if you like yeah sure um if
0: he never left the first time around we'll do it in a minute let's finish this one i think that the signings the quality of signing united get as a knock-on Mm. is really impressive and I don't think that Moyes is the guy but I wrote that piece for The Ringer about Lucien Favre being the guy before the guy about how the manager that comes in can set you up for the next and I think that Moyes doesn't it doesn't work out for Moyes but I think that actually you're more likely to get a Mourinho more quickly if you're looking at a, you're looking at a squad that contains the assets including Bale because Mourinho got United to second place this is the
1: thing His greatest ever achievement
0: and looking back actually I mean I know he was slightly tongue in cheek but it wasn't a bad achievement, actually.
1: Yeah, but the problem is he goes back to Chelsea in 2013. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you get him any sooner than you get him. This is the first time I think we've ever done a what if involving Jose Mourinho that means everything actually stays quite similar. exactly the same for him. Maybe he comes in 2016 just with a better squad.
0: Yes, and I think, to be honest, I think United still go for Van Gaal because their recruitment of managers is just not optimal. Like This is a club that can see big managers on the market and not make them an offer for months on end. So they mm. don't make any better hire. They, I think they still go for Van Hal.
1: You don't get Di Maria? No, no, yeah. no. That doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. So let's look at it from a Real Madrid perspective. Yeah. I think they still win Le decima.
0: I think so. Then they've got just enough in the tank to do that.
1: I think they still win Le decima with Di Maria, Ronaldo, Benzema, Ozil as a front four. So,
0: yes, yes. Because it's a more fluid front four, actually. More dangerous.
1: The only, yeah, the only thing... I would say to that is that maybe Bale's athleticism really really helped Real Madrid through the final stages of that tournament and really helped them over like overcome that Atleti in that final. I do wonder whether an Ozil in that squad but this is the thing at the time Ozil was just lights out. Otherwise. He was he was
0: other exactly like
1: and yeah. I think that he gets them through. Ozil was
0: peaking. Yeah, think- yeah, he does. He was peaking. If I'm being real about it, I think that Di Maria in that midfield was outstanding, right? He'd really settled well in that midfield three. Ozil Ronaldo's understanding was so good. You could argue they win that final earlier. Like, just, be- yeah. just because the cohesion of the attack, like, everything was there. And they understood each other so, so well. They were like, that was the best counterattack in Europe. I mean, it mm. beat that Barcelona to a league title.
1: I mean, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jack follows up with like what happens to Ronaldo. To be honest, I don't think much happens to Ronaldo. I think that he's still... The only thing I actually think happens to Ronaldo is that, this is just a hunch, I think Bale rattled Ronaldo. Okay, interesting. Like Ronaldo was really upset with Ozil leaving yeah. because if you think of it, Ozil isn't an alpha. Ozil is very introverted and he isn't a Roy the Rovers type player like Gareth Bale is basically he's he's too far away from Ronaldo's skill sets to bother Ronaldo in on personality on footballing skill sets the whole work yeah Bale was kind of like a Ronaldo on the right yes he was like an inverse Ronaldo basically an inverted Ronaldo and in so whole in so
0: many ways in so many ways yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: and I think that really I think that really rubbed Ronaldo up because that's why you started seeing this the shirt off for not scoring the winner and the move towards it being like, no, this really is my house. I think you maybe get a little bit more harmony at Real Madrid because I don't think Ronaldo has to flex as much because everyone knows the hierarchy. Like Ozil's fine with that. Ozil doesn't want to be the guy who's known for like winning the Champions League. Um, And I'm not saying Bale is, I'm not, you know, Bale, Gareth Bale comes across like a really good dude, actually. You know, Bale is a ball carrier and a lot of his game is focused on athleticism and the same kind of explosive nature that Ronaldo is. I never really thought Ronaldo liked that, having like a younger version.
0: I think you've absolutely nailed it. I remember, you, you're right, that celebration when he scores the fourth goal in the final, yeah. the penalty, and he runs the corner flag as if he scored the winner. was so interesting, even in 2016 when he scores, you know, the winning penalty, but actually they could, he, could, he could afford to miss that. Like it was. There were so many moments where you can see him kind of like burnishing his legend. And when mm. Bale scores that bicycle kick, in that final, and you know Ronaldo doesn't have the best game.
1: He's like, should have been me.
0: And yeah, you, you see a lot of these moments of, you know, and it would been very threatening because even Bale's Bale's style and like the body shape and that like even the career trajectory, it almost seems based on Ronaldo's. You're yep. right. It's just sort of it's almost like being stalked by your your future self or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Real Madrid win the three straight. I think the cycle changes.
0: But I think that the eventual winner always goes through them. I think the eventual winner knocks them out. because you- yeah.
1: I'm not sure who they would be, yeah. but I, do, I think that maybe, I mean, a lot of it would depend on Ozil and a lot of it would depend on Di Maria staying. If, they stay, if, if Di Maria stays, I think he's probably still, I think Urzel and Di Maria are probably both still there.
0: Why, but here's the thing, why do you leave? This is the thing about Madrid, right? It is, it must be a heartbreaking place to leave. Like we mm. don't, I don't think, if you look at, you know, the fact that Ozil, testament to him, he went into Arsenal and just kind of like kept turning it on. I think it's a heartbreaking place to leave. You look at how long those players, especially that generation, right? Like they all went on and won loads and loads and loads. And Ozil left that. And Di Maria left that and was like, never wanted to. And Di Maria Maria has made a better life, a better career beyond, you know, the United thing was miserable, but he's ultimately made a better career beyond um, Madrid than than Ozil has. Mm. But those guys stay at Madrid, they become Madrid legends, right? Yeah. they do they become legends yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they I do
1: absolutely agree I absolutely and they agree. don't, they don't win three play.
0: straight but they do win again I reckon that, that group wins again
1: yeah. yeah I think they win one or two more yeah for I sure. think so they're unbelievable before we wrap this one up let's pivot back to the extended one from Juan Torres about Pogba never leaving United so Pogba leaves in 2012 so let's say he's given a chance under Ferguson and now he is, an, he is an established part of that United midfield. He becomes an established part of that midfield in 2012,
2: 2013.
1: Right. Um, so Gareth Bale arrives with a younger, established Paul Pogba in midfield. Who's he playing with though?
0: Okay, this is important to think about. So I think Ferguson, if Pogba stays at United, Ferguson's inclined because he, you know, if you look at what he did in 2008 when he uses the 4-3-3, Ferguson goes with fluidity. And I think Ferguson goes with a 4-3-3 that actually suits Pogba. Um, so you have your defence midfield and then you've got like, I think you have two eights. I think, Pogba, I think Ferguson actually does something like this. Um, I don't think he puts Pogba in like a midfield two because he's learned from his lesson with
1: Verón doing that. I mean, he's going to be playing in midfield with Carrick and Shinji Kagawa. Tom Cleverley's still there as well. I mean, Tom Cleverley actually, through that season, I think obviously now his career didn't pan out as well as they thought. But there was a time where people were talking about Jack Wilshere and Tom Cleverley as the future of the England midfield.
0: There's a game that everyone talks about as United fans when United beat City 3-2 at the start of the 2012 season, I think it was. Mm. And that's when City were really arriving. And it was one of the most fiercely contested communities I've seen. And City were two and up and United came back and the equaliser was a beauty from Nani. And the passing, you had Welbeck in there as well. The passing was mind-blowing, right? Like it was Mm. the best interplay. It was like sort of the um, wilshere Giroud exchange uh, Mm. against Norwich. And Rooney came out afterwards and was like, we gave him a footballing lesson. And I just think that the combinations that you would have seen between Rooney Pogba and a lot of his other players, like Cleverly, I think we've taken United to a different level. I think, actually, funnily enough, the beneficiary of that is someone like, you know, in the same way that when Luke Shaw got injured, it was really bad for Memphis because Memphis needed that combination. Mm. Cleverly was a player that thrived in combination. He wasn't the player who would take an individual game and be unbelievable. He was more like a kind of Pedro. You know, you put Pedro in the right team, the right combinations, he, he's world class. Cleverly and Pogba ahead of Carrick could have been really interesting I think
1: I actually think at that time of his career though I think Pogba Pogba partnering up with Carrick at senior level I think is really good for him with what United had at their disposal Mm. because if you think at the time they still had Ashley Young and they still had uh, Antonio Valencia who were playing midfield but they were kind of transitioning to further back but they were still playing midfield at the time yeah on a lot of a lot of occasions they had Darren Fletcher I think that was when he started to come back from his illness right yeah, the first season under Mortis is when he started to come back for and become a regular again after his illness, I think. And then he became captain under Van Gaal. So this was at the point where he was kind of being re... I think just before he spent that year out that season. Yeah, no, He only made a couple of appearances in the league that season. So basically, yeah, that was the season that he really got hit by that illness. So you've still got Paul Scholes in there playing eight league games because that was when he came back right yeah. at the end of the season which is frankly wild. This is unbelievable. I yeah. can't oh, forget that happened. But I think that you, you also have Nani. Yeah. I still think that United at the time, you could play a 4-4-2 or you could play a 4-2-3-1 kind of thing, United. And you could actually probably, because, because of the amount of work that Valencia, Nani and Ashley Young would do when playing in midfield roles. And by that, I mean, obviously wide. I think you could actually play a two of Pogba and Carrick at that time. At that time. With someone in front of them.
0: I like it. Do you, and you, know, it's, you know, it's really sad about this, actually.
1: It would have been great. It
0: comes back to Mina Raiola, actually. Because mm. Pogba went to Juventus and won, what, four Serie A titles and got to a Champions mm. League final. So you can't say it was a bad career move. You can't say it was bad. Like, you can say it worked out very, very well. And maybe the biggest problem for Pogba was actually coming back. And actually, shout out to Grace uh, at Grace on Football. Grace Robertson did a great piece um, on Pogba in her newsletter, which is, I highly recommend you subscribe to it. It's so, so good. Um, My brain grows each time I read it. Um, But it's really sad actually. And this is the thing about Pogba and Ozil and Di Maria. It's like Igret said to Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, we should have stayed in that cave. Mm. You know, sometimes you've got it good. And sometimes there's a lot of footballers who are in the cave have their happiness and don't know it and
1: shouldn't move yeah. and it's easy about this a number of times how many players who shouldn't have we, we gone we didn't it. do that the players who shouldn't have ever moved 11 we, we should have done yeah that. we should
0: we, we should we should do it and we'll just put a marker down and say we will do it at some point even if it's just in passing or in one of the parts as opposed to full podcast but really Ryan like career moves we can all relate to that like whatever jobs we do whatever careers we have we can all relate to things we shouldn't have done steps we shouldn't have taken that put us back set us back um and I think that's why we can, we can relate to people like Pogba not working out. Because we've all, we've all been there. We've all been in situations where we're like, do you know what? I had a good thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, this feels very much like, um, if I was Paul Pogba, this feels very much like my Juventus. This podcast? At the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the thing that I just need to learn is that I just I, I just need to stay put. Oh,
0: but here's the thing I've never had. This is like my Juventus, only I never had a Manchester United <laughs> tempting me back. Um,
1: this is Henrik Larsson's Barcelona for you. <laughs> well, what I've, that, would have, that would
0: presume that I've quietly been the guy all that time as opposed to just being...
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Listen, listeners, if you look around the ocean and you can't see a catfish, then you're the catfish. <laughs> I think he can still become one of the... Leaning midfielders of his generation. I think he's there on talent, but he's not there on delivery.
1: He's got PSG brain all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He could win a Champions If he wins a Champions League at PSG, then... He could win, he could win three straight. Could <laughs> three straight. Oh my God. Pogba and Mbappe teaming up at PSG with Moise Kane. With Verratti and Marquinhos. Inject it. Like the vaccine. I would take the, I, that. Now that is a vaccine I would take in a heartbeat. What
1: if... The side effect of the vaccine was three straight champions. Wins. Oh my
0: goodness. <laughs>
1: Shall we get, get out of here? It? Let's do it. Thanks to everyone who submitted what ifs. Sorry we couldn't read them all. We really do appreciate it. We will do another one in, I don't know, a couple of months or something when football calms down a little bit in the new year. Don't forget, Stadios, New Year's Eve. Yes, yes. Write uh, it out before that as well. At Stadio on Twitter. Stadio Football on Instagram. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Any other admin? um on all platforms writing a review for the
0: podcast it, yeah, it. yeah yeah was yeah. it sorry sorry what What's that nothing nothing what you mumbling about nothing doesn't nothing doesn't matter just keep it in the podcast
1: everyone listens to this be safe in the knowledge that actually i don't have to deal with this nonsense this week i'm actually off
0: <laughs> <is a> free <laughs> <record>. <laughs> run free run free ryan uh can i just say while I, while you're out here and if i embarrass you you've done an incredible job this year. And I know, oh, no, there. no, no, it's true. It's true. You've been like back to back and you've worked your guts out. So I hope you get to relax away from my beaming chops for at least <laughs> a few days. And, uh, yeah. Thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Ryan. And, uh,
1: see you soon. I'm going to save my embarrassment for you for the next one. Oh
2: no. Oh no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh-huh. oh God. Nine straight champions leagues. <laughs> We're playing out on an absolute classic. Esther Williams last night changed it all because you never know. What if last night changed it all? I don't know what happened last night because we're pre-recording this in the past and this is the future. So, Tenet. oh God, this is getting weird. Tenet. <laughs> oh Much love, everyone. Take care. See ya.